Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's special episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Sean Terry, Flip to Freedom, the legend himself, another major wholesaler in the Phoenix market. And we're here to talk about how Sean has done 2,500 plus transactions for over $40 million in fees. Um, crazy, crazy. What's up? So what we got? We got, we got, we got. We got three cameras. We got three cameras here. <laughs> we got, what we got? We got uh, Facebook going, YouTube going. So what's up crew? I'm uh, happy here to uh, answer your questions, talk real estate, and talk to my man Steve here. We're gonna do it. Ready to rock the house? We're gonna rock the house. So guys. See, I usually like to stand up, right? <laughs> you gotta stand up here. So we might be standing up right here. So camera guy, camera guy in the back over there, you have to <laughs> deal with that. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in, guys, I'm Steve Trang, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties. Boom. Okay. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So if you want to join us in that movement, follow me on Instagram, steve.trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. There's a cost for you guys to listen to this show. If you get value today, please subscribe right now, share with a friend or tag a friend below. That way we can all grow together. And as you guys can see, this is a live show. So please post your questions. Sean's here to answer those questions. So, okay, here's the question. Who wants to be a millionaire, right? Who wants to be a millionaire? So he's going to make 100 millionaires. That's pretty, that's a bold, aggressive, right? That's an awesome goal. So on here, who wants to be a millionaire? And uh, and what do you think it takes to get there? We'll talk about that. That sounds good, huh? We'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. So, so I'm going to do my best and not sound like a super fan right now, right? You know, like be a giddy schoolgirl. <laughs> I, I was kind of giddy walking in, man. I was like, man, what's up? Get I almost walked in the CBD place next door, you know. <laughs> calm the nerves. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I calm nerves a little bit, right? Yeah. So for you guys that don't know, there's a CBD oil place right next door. <laughs> Just in case, right? Just in case. So we always start the question or the interview with the first and simple question is what got you into real estate? What got me in absolute 1,000% massive, ridiculous frustration with my life, right? So um, I was initially introduced to real estate in the Gulf War. I bought Robert Allen's book, No Money Down Real Estate. Um, and I was 21 years old and we invaded, um, at the time we invaded Iraq at the time. And I was, I was 21, I was on ship. And before I went on ship, um, I wanted to get some reading materials. I was a U.S. Marine from 88 to uh, 1992. So I was uh, deploying over to Iraq, didn't know if we were gonna come back. Um, I went to Horton Plaza, downtown San Diego, went to the bookstore and found this book on real estate, No Money Down Real Estate, Robert Allen. Happened to read that on ship. And uh, that, that's where it kind of got my bug about real estate. That's where I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to do something real, with real estate. So me and a buddy of mine, his name is Scott, uh, we saved up some money. We came back at 21 years old and we went to Scottsdale over on um, Scottsdale Road in Earl, if mm -hmm. you know that over there. Mm -hmm. They have all these like, uh, you know, old apartment complex. Yeah. So we didn't know, it was 1992, didn't know at the time that there was a savings and loan crash, right? And the market was decimated, right? Especially yeah. in Phoenix. So uh, we go in and we find this guy in an ad. We, you know, we're circling ads and we call the guy up and he was willing to do a wraparound mortgage, right? Um, which we use today, you know, all the time. Um, and uh, he, we bought his 16 unit apartment complex for a little over $250,000 when I was 20, 
20, like 21, 22. Mm -hmm. lived, on, lived on site. We had an apartment there. We lived on site, managed the whole thing. We cleaned the swimming pool. We cut the palm trees. We cut the grass. We managed the whole thing. We collected the rents, did that. Um, so that was my first real estate experience way back when. Then I kind of got out of real estate um, and I was you know, pulled into a different direction. That's where I, I got learned. Actually, it was a multi-level company. I was recruited by my wife. She was so hot, right? So I was, was like, <laughs> you know, real estate, hot girl, real estate, hot girl. So I was like, hot girl, right? So she got me into- uh, You're in your 20s. Yeah, I know. So she got me into uh, this multi-level that actually I was in it for years and, and uh, we did well. But I, I learned about self-education. I learned about- you know, because uh, in, in network marketing and multi-level marketing, you go to a lot of events. So I went to a lot of events and I learned about personal growth, self-development, the better you are, the better you become. Um, and uh, that just kind of took off from there. I learned that and about um, that I came up, I became a trainer for mm -hmm. them. So I flew all around the country teaching, you know, how to sell water filters. I bet that made a wonderful foundation. Yeah, well, for the real estate industry. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, we're selling water filters in 1996, 1998, when everybody believes the water is fine. Now everybody knows that the water's you know junk, right? So, so now it'd be a lot bit easier. But anyway, so the bottom line is, I uh, I, I I got out of that, and and it was like 1999. I started my own business um, doing pools and landscape here in Phoenix. So I go to someone's house, I design a pool, design their landscape. Um, and I did that from like 99 to 2003. And then that's where I was ridiculously frustrated. I was, you know, I was just getting by, living month to month, frustrated. I had a new daughter at the time. I wanted more for my life. And I just, I had the education. I knew about real estate, but I just wasn't applying. I was stuck, right? Mm -hmm. I was stuck. Um, so my wife's like, man, you should get back into real estate. So then I looked at becoming a real estate agent um, and it just didn't resonate with me. And I, I read a millionaire real estate agent, I think it was, and I read that and it just didn't yeah. resonate for me. And then um, and then I was the whole I was driving down the freeway. I was going to a pool and landscape appointment. This guy's talking about how you can flip houses. I thought he was crazy because I didn't know, I thought you had to have cash and credit to make money flipping houses. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so he talked about guys making five, 10, 15, $20,000 flipping oh, houses. Yeah, and ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm a born skeptic, ra uh, born and raised in New England. So everything is a joke, right? I was like, there's no way, what a scam, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I turned the channel, continued driving down the freeway. And I was like, this is absolutely crazy. There's no way uh, that can happen. Now today I know it was God's intervention and I was like, he's tapping me on the shoulder and I turned the channel back and I continued to listen and he explained the concept of wholesaling. And it's amazing because I had an epiphany, right? And an epiphany is an amazing thing because you're like, I was like, wow, I had no idea. It shined a new light on what could potentially happen. And that epiphany happened for me. And I was like, wow, I can take this concept. You mean I can sign a contract with a seller? I can find a motivated seller and I can turn around and, and sign a contract with a buyer and I can make the money in between? That's amazing. And I was like, freak out. That was crazy, right? Holy cow. So, uh, so I literally, I bought the guy's course. I had a $250 Capital One credit card. My wife had a $250 Capital One credit card. I called the guy up, the course was 500 bucks. I said, would you take two credit cards? He said, yes. I bought the course. It was, D, uh, C, uh, there were VCRs. I put it in the VCR thing. He had one little tiny manual and, uh, and I turned it on and I turned on, I was watching on the TV. And this guy comes out, it's black and white uh, video, and he comes out in these bell bottoms and a, and a hat on from Texas. And uh, it was all recorded in 1992. 
right? So it's 2003. It's all recorded in 1992. And I was like, I, I knew it was a scam. This is ridiculous. This guy's sending me the stuff from 1992. It probably doesn't even work. You know? That's what they were selling on the radio? That's what they were selling on the radio. So the guy got on the radio, sold. He must have had a garage full of them, sold them all. And then I never heard from the guy again, right? So, and me... Right, I buy it hook, line, and sinker. So I go through. I started listening. I was like, I don't know. So he he said, you know, go get a uh, a list of pre foreclosures. So I had to find that. Um, there's not. They didn't have all the websites and services they do now. They didn't even have Zillow. I didn't even think they have Redfin. They, I don't think they had Facebook. Right? They didn't have cell phones. Right? I don't know. Anyway, so the bottom line is, um, I bought this list and uh, I uh, I went and knocked. I started knocking on pre foreclosure doors, and I started knocking. I finally found a guy that wanted to sell his house and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even have a contract. I went to Staples to go get a contract and I didn't know how to negotiate. I remember going in this guy's house. He stood me up two or three, four times before I got in there. I finally got in the house and I didn't, I didn't know anything about repairs. I didn't know about really negotiation when it came to a house. You know, the guy's like, and I got like, well, what do you want it for? He goes, 86,000. I was like, done, right? <laughs> I, I didn't, didn't do anything. I just like, done, okay, sign the contract. Um, and uh, I didn't have any buyers. And luckily I turned around and sold for like 98,000. I made $11,008. And that was in my first three weeks. In uh, May of 2003, I got my, really fir- my first check. And, and for all the people out there that haven't got a check, if you haven't got a check yet, that's the first mission. That's all I can say. You know, yeah, yeah. right? You know, that, that first check changes everything. It turns doubt into, um, into proof of concept. You know now it can be done. It's a shut-up check. It'll shut up all your friends, family, relatives. They're telling you you can't do it. Um, so whatever you are right now, it's going to be a literally obsessive mission to go get that first check. And once you get that first check, that's where momentum happens. That's where you're like, I now I know I can do it. Now you can just rinse and repeat, and that's where scale comes in. Well, so that is that box, right? Like you mentioned, like uh-huh. you mentally, you've checked that box. Okay, this is real. This is not a scam. I can do this. Right. And you have money to make more deals happen. Correct. So that's that's awesome. So that was the first deal. Yeah. What were your struggles after that? Um, well, interesting. Actually, that's a, that's a great question. So I um, got my first deal and uh, my second deal, I found this dilapidated house that I put under contract for like 30 something thousand dollars. Like maybe it was like, maybe it was like 25 is pretty cheap. Um, and the guy had me drop off a thousand dollar earnest money to his house, right? Big mistake and made it out to him. He made me uh, um, basically uh, cross out or, uh, you know, get rid of all my um, cancellation clauses, my, you know, my out clauses mm-hmm. in the contract. So I had all my out clauses gone. Um, because he, he negotiated with me using a bogey, right? So he called, he basically said, Hey, he said, listen, I've got four of the guys that want this thing. I got one guy that's going to, you know, he's just going to give me the earnest money and he's going to take it out. So if you want the deal, if you can do it for $500 more and you can match that, it's your deal. And see, I fell for the bogey instead of pushing back, getting, mm-hmm. telling him what I wanted. So I was like, okay, right. I fell for the bogey <laughs> and, uh, I got the property under contract, took out my out clauses in, and then I couldn't find a buyer. Yeah. Right, so now I'm struggling, I, and I'm going bananas finding buyers. I didn't have a buyer's list, didn't have any place to look online. Right, so I'm literally I'm calling eight real estate agents, I'm calling you know other people, getting referrals, talking to title companies, anything to find a buyer. Finally, I found this father and son team, 
that came in and looked at it and basically gave me $2,000 more than my contract price. And by the skin of my teeth, a couple days before closing, I was able to get out of that deal, made two grand. Yeah. And that was my second deal. It came in with a couple weeks after my first deal. My third deal after that took like two or three months after that because, um, and, and I, I, people ask me, what's the key to success, right? What's the key mm-hmm. to success? The key to success, in my opinion, because people go, it's almost like, it's almost like have, if you ever been to the gym, right? If you get to a certain weight and you freak out, right? You're going, holy cow, I've got to do something. Yeah. My, my stomach is hanging over my belt. I got to mm-hmm. do something, right? So what you do is you go to the gym, you wake up early, you go to the gym, you work out hard, and then you get to a certain point where you feel comfortable. And now you start eating the cookies again, you start eating the ice cream again, you start eating the pizza again, you start you know, drinking milk or doing whatever you're doing, eating sugar. You're describing uh, my 2019. Yeah, <laughs> and then what happens is you, you get comfortable and then you stop doing what it took to get you there and then you go back right back down mm-hmm. and then you're in the same, and you have this, and a lot of people in the business go through this this type of um, roller coaster with their income in their business, with their life and everything. And the secret is, is having the discipline to continue doing those actionable items all the way past that line where you're comfortable and continue doing it. And that's where you get stratospheric success, right? And you keep doing those things. So what I've learned, you know, over the 15 years is when I don't market, when I don't generate leads, when I don't have make offers, when I don't make written offers, when I don't, when I don't do that and I kind of back off that, then I go back, you know, income goes down. So if I look at a correlation between those actionable KPIs, those items, and look at the result of the revenue, there's a absolute 100% correlation between those two. So you know, and you've, and you've seen, you've had a lot of incredible people sitting in this chair and, uh, and every one of them, the reason why they're successful is because they've matched that correlation and whether it be, um, whether it be talking to sellers, you know, um, you know, making appointments, talking to sellers, you know, making written offers and getting contracts, everyone does it in a certain way, whether right. what we just talked about being in someone's house, belly to belly, doing it over the phone, whatever the case may be, they're doing the same thing. But the, the secret is doing it in a consistent basis and keeping your team accountable for those steps every single week. And, um, and, and, that, and that's how it just progressively scales. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. like, I know you're not perfect, but um, over the years, it's gone like this because I get in the, I get in the way. Right. Well, I think that's a really good point. And I think one of the greatest challenges, I think someone uh, mentioned it last week, was um, as a solo, or a solopreneur, mm-hmm. right? You're running a business on your own. When you're out getting contracts, yeah. you can't prospect. If you're putting out fires, everything else is getting left aside. So how, right. what would you say to someone that's having that struggle right now? Well, it's it's almost prioritize, prioritizing because whatever you prioritize, you make time for. Whenever you make time for, you'll do, right? So mm-hmm. what happens is you have to have that priority. If you knew that the priority was I have to deploy marketing every single week and I have to do lead generation. That's part of it every single week. Even as a solopreneur, well, guess what? Now, I don't care if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, it's two o'clock in the morning. That's part of your have to, must to, it's a commitment to, um, and then you'll do it. It just, the problem is we go out and we get 
you know, 80 grand deals, right? Mm -hmm. And now he goes, and then it's like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, like, I'm tired. I've been all day talking (laughs) to sellers. I want to go to bed, but I got to get that. I got to pull this list. I've got to, you know, make sure it's the right one. I've got to send it over to the marketing company. I got to make sure I got to pull a number on call rail, you know, make sure it's tracked. I got to pick out a marketing piece. I got to get it out. So it goes out on Friday. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's one o'clock in the morning and they have a decision to make right now when you're hungry, right. And you're hungry, then you're going to stay up at one o'clock in the morning. And it's not, you're not going to go to bed until it gets done. Right. But then when you're comfortable and you got a couple deals in the bank, you got money in the bank, now you're going, eh, maybe I'll just, uh, I'll do it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, you get a phone call in the morning, you got a title company you have to run down to a buyer. You have to deal with the seller. They have to pull across the line, a couple other meetings. The next thing you know, it doesn't get done. And then it doesn't get done the next night and the next night. I'll and get to it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll get to it tomorrow. But those decision points yeah. and it's the little things of just saying, Hey, I'm going to deploy marketing every single week. So what I do is I know I'm not good at it, right? I know that I know myself and I know that, you know, for certain things, if it's one o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go, eh, forget it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm human. Right. So what I'll do is now I hire for it. Right. So I hire, so I say, I'll say, listen, I need this task done every single week and then I'll hire someone for 12, 15 bucks an hour and I'm gonna hold them accountable and they're gonna go do it, right? right? And now I know it's done and if it doesn't get done, guess fired. what, you're, you're, you're fired or we're gonna correct, we're gonna try to figure out and, and, and get it done. So I'll pull myself out of the way and hire for the disciplines and then I can only focus what I'm great at, right? And focus on the good, the things my, my unique ability where now I can hire all the things that were, were bottlenecks because I was a bottleneck in the business. And if you can do that, then you can exponentially grow a lot quicker. Because imagine if you had all the things you suck at, mm-hmm. right? Of, you know, and having hired out for it. So I'm completely on page on the same page with you, right? <laughs> but I'm sure in your many years of coaching, you've had students that would fight you back on this. Like, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you by now have some sort of speech or rant that gets them over the hurdle to make that first hire. Right, oh, to make the first hire they can't afford, they can't afford not to, right? So it's right. like, actually, I just on the way here, right? There's this guy I'm working with in Atlanta and I rarely ever take on like personal one-on-one coaching students, but um, it was a referral from someone I knew and the guy like you know, begged me, he's like, hey, and he said that in that situation, I don't know if I can afford to hire, I don't know if I can do it, you know? And, uh, and I was like, let me ask you a question, you know, you signed up for a reason. You want to do coaching for a reason, right? So you want to go from point A to point B. And are you comfortable where you're at? Because if you're comfortable in the at, then we're done. You know, we're, we're yeah. done, right? Because that's not when you signed. You you wanted to go here. You told me you wanted to go here. And you are if you're comfortable where you're at, then we have nothing else to say. We, yeah. we're, we're, our, we're, we're done. You can move on. But if you're not comfortable where you're at, then the only way to get to where you want to be is to hire. You know, I, I don't know any massively successful person that has done their whole entire business alone. So, and, and I talk about behavioral congruencies, mm-hmm. right? A behavioral congruency is try to uh, adopt a behavior or a congruent behavior that you can match. And if you, when you're doing that, you got to look at successful people. Well, I mean, like a Grant Cardone, right? I mean, the guy, I mean, he's a hiring machine. He's a firing machine, but he's also a hiring machine. So are we, right? Yeah. So. The bottom line is, is that if you want to get here, the component, the recipe, the behavioral congruency, it takes people, right? right? So, you know, what do you want to do? 
you know? So stop your whining, you know? <laughs> you know, man up, woman up, right? <laughs> you know, place an ad in Indeed, put him through the funnel and give him the Raphael, Cortez, you know, and, and through his uh, testing process and hire yeah, him, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that you, helped you build your brand Mm-hmm. Is podcasting, and we talked about this. I thought you were the first guy to podcast in real estate. You mm-hmm. corrected me, but talk about that. Like two others, <laughs> <laughs> but you made the decision to podcast. What prompted that decision? That's a great. That's a great. Another way. You're very good, man. Very good. This guy's good. This guy's good. Huh? Give me, give me, give him a couple <laughs> thumbs up. Put some hearts on there on uh, Facebook up there. Whatever you're on, in. so I just would do do a bunch of cool stuff to make him make it. Uh, give him some love. All right, great question. So. Um, Real estate is a very selfish business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, except where, unless, I mean, our, you know, we, we always try to put the seller's problem in clientele first. We want to solve that problem. But we're doing it on a small scale. Meaning when you do a deal, it's about, you know, getting the deal, buying the deal, you know, flipping it or buying, fixing and flipping or doing whatever. The impact is is a small impact. Now you are making an impact in the seller's life, maybe the neighborhood and stuff like that, but it's on a, on a smaller scale. So it's, it's really about you doing deals and making money, right? So um, when I read the book, The Go-Giver, which I highly recommend, I'm sure you've heard of it, right? And it talks about the seven- Brandon gave me a copy. Yeah, Brandon did, yeah. Yeah, yeah cause I gave it to him a copy, right? <laughs> um, so the seven stratospheric laws of success, one of the, one of the stratospheric laws of success is obviously the more people you impact uh, and have success, create a hundred millionaires, great model, right? Um, the more success you're gonna have. So if you pour and make that the predominant mission to create a hundred millionaires, well, guess what? In turn, you're gonna be you know, a billionaire, right? Mm-hmm. You're in turn, you're gonna create that am- amount of success. And it's amazing that I, there is, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I, I look at properties only if I want to, um, and I, I don't sign docs. We just get wires that come into the account. We get big wires, small wires. They're coming in all the time. So, you know, I know when you first get started and you get that first check and you get a big wire, you're like, yeah, it's exciting. But then it, it comes to a point where you're like, it's expected, right? Mm-hmm. You, you just get wires coming in your account, right? From deals you're doing and Absolutely. stuff like that. So the impact you can make in someone's life is is I mean it's amazing because it's a ripple effect. It just it, it it completely changes people's lives. So uh, so I read the book and I decided to start a podcast in 2010. There was no podcast. There was Real Estate Guys Radio and Lifestyle Unlimited. Those were the two real estate podcasts. Um, but I didn't know anything on how to create a website. I didn't know anything about HTML. I didn't know about WordPress. I didn't know anything about audio recording. Um, it's before I had a Mac, right? So uh, I didn't have all that, that, that all that type of stuff. So I, 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 I was like, I gotta, get, I want to get into it, you know, and I want to make an impact. But I didn't know if anybody's gonna listen. I was like, who's gonna listen to me talk or whatever? So um, I literally got a little recording device. And I, uh, my first 10 episodes, Phoenix, Arizona, um, I think it was like June of uh, 2010. And I went and I, and I, I didn't have an office at the time because I was doing a lot of stuff. Um, I was like a, 
you know, doing everything myself, like a solopreneur. I didn't, it wasn't starting to hiring and stuff. I had a couple hires, but not. Um, but so I didn't, couldn't do it at my house, couldn't do it at the office because I didn't really have a safe space to do it. So I, I was in my car. I parked at an AJ's parking lot that's down the street. And uh, I had the AC going because it was hot outside. And I recorded inside my little mic. I'm sitting there recording my first episode. And I went back and listened to it. And I could hear the wind of the AC <laughs> on the podcast, right? Now, we're in a soundproof room, a cool studio. You got the cameras all set up. You got your guys in there. It's comfortable. Right? It's all comfortable. And it's nice. But I'm sitting in there. And I got the air. And I went back and go, oh. I said, I th- you got the lights on here. I was so mad because the wind was on it. And it was a great episode. I was like, ah. So I went back and I said, I, I got to do it without the wind. So I put the AC down the one um, and it still made a noise. So I said, you know, what? I got to turn the car off right now. Oh. Yeah, we're in Phoenix now. What, what's the temperature out here? <laughs> Bloody hot. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> so now you sit in a car in the sun and my car at the time had black with black interior. So I had in my car, I'm recording the podcast in my car, black and black interior with a hundred and plus degrees out, <laughs> literally dripping sweat, melting. Um, and that was the first 10 episodes I recorded like that. And I taught myself HTML up from 10 o'clock to two o'clock in the morning, video editing. I talk, taught myself how audio. I would, I would cut every single um out of the recording. Really? Every um, which was, it left like no content left, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I like cut everything, all the ums out of the first like couple podcasts. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And I, so I had to did all, I did all the figure out RSS feeds, figure out how to post it, figure out Amazon S3. This was before Lipson for how to get it up on, you know, up on the site and get it, push it out to the public, hoping, or maybe that people would start listening. Um, and then it was weird because about six months into it, I, I did, there was really not good tracking inside uh, Amazon S3, but I finally pulled some tracking on it. I was like, wow, we have you know, 30, 40,000 people that listen to this. This is crazy. And then Jill wow. McCall calls me up and then and this happens. So it's literally, you know, it's just been, you know, doing podcasts and it's, um, I think we have over 11 million listeners now in 196 different countries and it's blown up to where it's turned into the whole thing of live events and education and training and stuff. And uh, it's been pretty cool. Well, so you talk about impact, mm-hmm. uh, but there's two people that have been on the show, well, actually probably multiple people on the show that mm-hmm. have been impacted by your message, but two that worked for you, mm-hmm. get Raphael yep. and Brandon. Yep. And they're off doing their own things as well. Yeah, Crank so it. yeah. it's incredible the impact you've made. So uh, there was an event, you know, Max Maxwell's event, We yep. Live in Dallas, and it was yep. me, Jamil, um, Evo, Annie, Jesse, Pace, Bryant, and we were all hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they were out there to support me because that was the first time I was speaking you know, in front of a thousand people. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it just came out. Heard you crushed it. I did all right. <laughs> right. So, but there were, we had other people there in Texas, like looking at these Phoenix people, like, you guys are all, ha- like, you guys are all the same company. Like, no, we're competitors. Right. Like, we're all trying to go to, to get same- that deal. Right. right. Yeah. And they're looking at us like, what? This is just weird. Yeah. Right. And so I was like racking my brain, like, you know, what, what is it? And I went back to it as like, you know, Brandon's been somewhat influential mm-hmm. in our community, but I was thinking, I think Sean's podcast mm-hmm. with the go-giver mentality, right? collaborative, you're out to help each other. Are we competing on the same battlefield? hundred mm-hmm. percent. Right. But off the battlefield, we're comparing notes. Hey, what's working for you? How can we get better? What right. can we do? 
Yeah, and I think on the podcast, and what I like about you and what you guys do um, is in part of the go-giver mentality, uh, Brandon's adopted, Raphael's adopted it. I mean, Carlos and Sal's adopted it, Raphael Vargas adopted it. You know, there's a lot of names in the industry that has adopted is that, you know, give everything you've got, right? Give, give it all. And people are afraid because they have a scarcity mentality that I don't want to give my best stuff because then it's going to divert them that to then they don't want to pay for my stuff or mm-hmm. coaching or whatever it might be. Um, but I look at, I've got tons of people that have never bought a product, never been to any any events or anything like that, and they've left me messages saying, "Listen, I've been following you for five years, and you changed my life, and now we're consistently doing one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue, and I wouldn't be here because it wasn't for you." Yeah. I'm like, "Good dude, that's awesome. Thumbs up. It's amazing." Um, so it's great to make an impact, um, but if 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 you're my, I never started the podcast to turn it into revenue. Mm -hmm. I started the podcast for the sole purpose of giving as much as I possibly could to make an impact. Um, And then it turned into where people are going, I want more, Kim, show me the system, break it all down, how do I get your contract? So I literally had to create a membership site. And I think Brandon was like the, the 34th person that ever signed up part of flip to freedom and yeah. then you know we did deals together and stuff like that and it turned out turned out pretty well but i think if you come from a scarcity mentality you want to hold your information right mm-hmm. and that will never get you because it's a um you almost have an ulterior motive you know what i mean inside but if you're just free to give everything you got you know it will come back to you tenfold right. there's yeah. only so far you can go yeah trying to hold it all to yeah. yourself yeah you can't, and it's uh, and it just—it's not authentic. I don't think, and it's mm-hmm. not real, and it's not—you uh, know—it's not genuine, and people will pick up on it. Absolutely, you know. So, you know, uh, when I was uh, first getting into this wholesale side, you know, I don't know how much you know about my story, but mm-hmm. I was a realtor just trying to get listings. Right. And I was like, well, how do I get listings? Well, I know how to do pay per click. Let's check out pay per click. Right. And when I started, you know, uh, I figured, you know, what's my house worth? What would my house sell for? I was going after the appraisal keywords. Right. And that was nothing. Right, right. So that I was like, work. okay, what are the, what's working here? Sell my house, buy my house, sell my house fast. Yeah. Sell my house for cash. Like, okay, well, let's go after those keywords. Right. And one person kept popping up over and over again. That was you. Right. With <laughs> the old lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it was like security title, right, in the yeah, background. Secu- yep, downtown. Uh, but, you know, I was looking back in the day. Can you imagine? This is 2012 when I started pay-per-click. I don't yeah. know when you started pay-per-click. When, well, when did you start pay-per-click? Uh, we started pay-per-click back in 2006. 2006? Yeah. Okay, so you had a much longer, really good run. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when I got in, it was basically you and me. But I was looking at the stats when I started. It was $3.80 a click. Wow. And $12.76 per lead registration. Right. And they were given their phone numbers. Yeah, so we were cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, we were, it was we were great. Clean. Yeah. So... Those days are kind of gone. Yeah, but I, it was just something that I wanted to share because. Well, it's it's interesting because you know, any any like, it's it's funny like anything that I've ever done and tried to master, then I I, I teach it. So I, I I use my real estate investing wholesaling business as almost like an incubator mm-hmm. to test stuff, to do stuff. Um, to change stuff, and then if it works great, then I'll take it over and then teach it. Mm-hmm. So um, the entire 
so Google AdWords, it came, I used it, tested it, modified it, loved it. And then it became, I actually taught it, right? And mm -hmm. I saw people had to, you know, get websites, but instead of using HTML, use like on carrot. Actually, initially, I, I taught people initially to code on HTML <laughs> using a free uh, HTML editor, right? Yeah. That sucked. Talk about <laughs> the support tickets, right? So, but now you got on carrot and stuff like that. Yeah. So I literally gave people my campaigns that they could use and mm -hmm. they could use all across the country. One being Scott Oots, right? Mm -hmm. So he came in, I got him set up on a, on a uh, he, he, he had three fix and flips he had done at the time, they're all losing money on, came into my office and I said, hey, we, we gotta get you up on AdWords, then we'll start working with the direct mail and other things. But he launched pretty much our camp, my campaign directly um, and, uh, and turn around, drove him to on carrot and did over a million dollars his first year just off just off that now he's taken it modified it, and changed it and made it better mm -hmm. uh, which is great which is phenomenal and he's an incredibly intelligent person yeah he's very sharp. um and uh awesome awesome guy great great with people but it's literally it's it's been so i've I done that modified it and then and then turned around and uh and then launched it and trained you know taught it when it came to the nine-step seller conversion sequence how to read personalities read handshakes be inside a house um the objection annihilation method of overcoming objections you know the 16 top objections all that came from teaching my sales team and then turn around and and then now putting it out to the market the whole thing with the custom covert intuitive presentation which was an ipad presentation we took mm -hmm. that, worked incredible, brought it out and turned around to the market. When it came to the um, the whole 100K wholesaler, we took Traction, which was by Gina Winkman, great book, one of the best business books I've ever read. 100%. Took that and built the entire 100K wholesaler blueprint out when it came to the organizational chart, to the meetings, to the scorecards, which pretty much everybody uses in the market now, all the way through, because I took that and then turned around and applied it when it came to RVM, ringless voicemail, mm -hmm. right? No one was doing RVM up to a couple of years ago, but I used in my business for about six months and it was crushing. And I was like, do I just keep this quiet? I was like, I can't <laughs> do this because it's going to go against my nature, right? Yeah. I can't do it. So I went, brought it to the market and literally blew up and it was a new channel of marketing where you can get leads for, you know, a fraction of the cost and it would be Google AdWords and it brought your overall blended cost per lead down, right. you know? So there's always things, you know, um, there's always things, you know, but if you're in it, the business, See, I don't know how someone can teach, but then doesn't do the business. Right. Right. So that means you have to steal from other people, mm -hmm. right? Steal ideas. If you're not actively running a wholesale operation where you're you're dealing with problems every single day, every single issues and how to do it, then you're not able to uh, you're not able to do it, right? You're, you can't, you can't teach relevant information. You can't teach relevant information. So now you're just pulling mm -hmm. from other sources, and it's not really or and also you're not being innovative. You can't innovate, you know, and be able to uh, bring new things to the marketplace that will change lives, you know. Right. So, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So we talk about Phoenix. I don't know if it's because of you that we're the guru capital of the world. <laughs> But at the end of the day, that's what we are here in Phoenix. The guru capital. Because you're here and you bring them all, you bring them all here, right? <laughs> bring them all here. Yeah. <laughs> you bring them all here. Right? And have them, you know, do Everyone's the tour. flying in. <laughs> so how would you say your operation today is different than the peers in town? The peers in town. Actually, um, I, uh, well, uh, so th there's, I, I have a, my, my model is, it differs, I'll kind of explain my model. So um, I do fix and flip and we do bigger end, higher end fix and flip. We got one and another, and we, and we don't do a lot of flex to fix and flip. It's primarily fix and flip where um, 
our minimum, our worst case, see, we, we, we look at our fix and flip, I look at my fix and flip model and we go, okay, if it's the worst case scenario, there's the most likely and there's the best case, right? So it's a basically a simple spreadsheet. So I go, you know, most people make a decision off the best case scenario, crossing their fingers, hoping that they're gonna go, oh yeah, let's list it for this, it's gonna mm -hmm. be great. I make a decision on the worst case scenario and if that worst case scenario is a hundred grand profit after paying all expenses and everything like that, then we pull the trigger on it and then I'll give it to my wife. My wife um, has a, a un her unique ability is going into a place um, that and she can make things look incredible, right? Mm -hmm. She can make it look great. So I don't. I walk in, I'm like, just doze it, right? So she can make <laughs> it look great. So yeah. I'll buy it and she'll turn around and then she'll make it look great and she'll do it. So um, so that, that's one little thing. We do you know, fix and flip and we've been approached by HGTV and doing stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, and I don't know if we want to go down that path. Maybe we'll, we're still, you know, talking to him, who knows. But anyway, so the bottom line is, is then I have my, my wholesaling operation where I think we were talking earlier. And I've honestly um, been stuck in the rut up to, up to about, and, and Brandon honestly has been telling me this, um, and I'm just being completely transparent with you guys for years. He's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. And uh, I'm like, no, no, I don't want to deal with, I don't, I don't want to deal, deal with, you know, you know, phone team and all that type of stuff, mm -hmm. right? So uh, basically what happened was, is um, I had a, a traditional wholesaling where we generated leads, sales guys would generate leads, um, and we would go belly to belly. And our methodology was get in front of as many sellers as possible, and then we have ways to monetize those particular sellers, right? So they're gonna convert um, anywhere from, you know, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from, you know, a good sales guys can do anywhere from 20 to 30% conversion rate for a good sales. Um, and through their follow-up and for talking to sellers. So what they're gonna do is our methodology was getting in front of many as people as possible. You're gonna convert the ones to wholesale. The ones you can't convert to wholesale, we're going to uh, have a listing relationship where we can do, because we have a brokerage in the office that we have, listing relationship, we can monetize those leads that way. Um, I happen to own a title company just like you do, so we can monetize that way and push them to a title company. So um, all that is uh, was a way to be able to, um, you know, to get in front of people. Well, you're limited to the amount of leads you can generate, the cost per lead, right? And the limited by um, how many appointments a person can go on driving around the, you know, driving around the market. So a, a, a sales guy can go up to about 18 to 20 and then they get pretty burned out. They're per spending week. a lot of money, yeah, per week. A lot of gas, they're running, they're going crazy, they're running and gunning. And that becomes almost too much, right? A person can only sustain to a certain amount. Now we do, and I think we talked earlier about, we do a lot of down payment arbitrage. That's mm -hmm. another whole methodology that we do a ton of in our business I've been doing for years that we brought out to the market and taught. Um, but down payment arbitrage is a one of our core uh, acquisition strategies to get a lot of deals that nobody else is talking to, right? Most people, wholesalers in the market, don't know how to structure them, um, don't know how to pitch them and can't get those deals. So our methodology is getting in front of people, getting deals done and turn around selling, and then um, and then I'll take excess cash and I buy large apartment complexes, right? Yeah. Um, so now I've, you know, I've, I've met with um, Carlos and Sal, I've been to their operation, I'm sure you have too. Oh yeah. Um, and Huge operation. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, great. great. And it, it, it's it, and I know Nick Perry, and I know some guys at a uh, Steve uh, Ennis out of um, at a Canada, um, and those, Josh up there, those guys up there, uh, and I see what they're doing with this. 
you know, over the phone type of stuff. And uh, it's really resonated to me. So in the past six months, we've transitioned into a quasi model mm -hmm. over the phone and then into other different markets. So, yeah. um, which kind of opened up because I've been stuck in the mud to where, no, you've got to be in front of people. You've got to be able to close it. But even look at, I've been doing this for 15 years um, and I, uh, you always learn. And if you get, if you get narrow minded and stuck in the mud, you can be in a position that can cost you money. And I personally, I think I was narrow minded, stuck in the mud going, this is what the model is and not being open to listening to Brandon mm -hmm. until you walk into an operation like Carlos and Sal, which those guys are phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and you go, wow, I mean, that person closed nine deals last month strictly over the phone and didn't drive anywhere. That, that girl right there, she closed six deals last month. She didn't have to drive anywhere doing. It just opens up the, uh, the model where you can be more efficient yeah. in other different markets and convert more deals. Well, and I think that's really key, uh, really important attribute, right? Because as a leader, you know, you've, Rained for so long, it's yeah. really easy to get comfortable, right? Not want to make any changes, mm -hmm. right? Like this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been done. Yeah, and this is what we're always going to do it. Yeah. So you, you're able to make the transition. Yo, yeah, it, I, it, it came to the point to where I was like, you know, this is something, you know, we got to do, we want to do, I should have been doing, um, and uh, and then it's just the process doing. But but the cool thing is, is that it's it's. You know, I've been doing it long enough and I know how to hire, you know, know how to bring on people. I, I am, I'm, I'm not, I have zero fear when it comes to spending money on marketing. You know I mean? I'll, I'll outspend, you know, whatever it takes. Right. Cause I know. Todd Toback made the comment earlier that you're the first guy to do the 10,000 <laughs> mailers a month or per week. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. It was, uh, and I'll, I'll tell that story too, but um, but I'm, I'm not afraid because I know if you have the system in place, you'll get the return. It's a box, right? Mm -hmm. I am so familiar with the box that if you put, if I put in 50 grand, I know I'm going to get 300 grand out. I'm knowing going to get $250,000 out in the box. Yeah. So I'm like, why not put in 500 grand and get 3 million out, right? Right. So, um, but it's just having the efficient operation that can handle the amount of leads to handle half a million dollars in, you know, ad spend to be able to make it happen. So, um, yeah, the, the uh, way back, way, way back when, um, I thought I was hot stuff sending 10,000 mailers a month, right? I thought it was hot stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I, there was this guy locally here, Ron Davidoff. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, yeah, I, I know the name. He, Ron Davidoff is like, for me, he's like the godfather of real estate. I mean, he's, he's done a couple thousand deals since 1992, does a ton wow. of, um, he was the guy that knocking on pre-foreclosure. When I first started, he was the guy that everyone's like, oh man, he's crushing it. So he's since retired and he bought a bunch of, bunch of property and stuff and retired and stuff. So anyway, so I was talking to Ron, I called him like once or twice a month and I was like, yeah, bragging. Oh yeah, man, we hit 10,000 mailers this month. Phone's ringing off the hook. We're doing deals. We're cranking it. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I just dropped 130,000 mailers. <laughs> I was like, you did? I was like, yeah, I dropped 130. And I thought I was like, I was bragging, right? I did 10,000, man. 130,000 mailers. I said, well, who's taking all the calls? He goes, man, it's just going to my cell phone. So no systems, all calls into him, all the calls are going into him. And I think he did 20, 30 deals that month. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm dropping 100,000. I'm dropping 100,000. So I turn around, I call the mailhouse. 
I, I wired him, I think, 30 plus, I think postcards to 33 cents, wild him 33 grand. And uh, next thing you know, 100 postcards hit. Now, this is before Podio. This is before any system, before monthly meetings, before scorecards. Before so call rail. Before call rail, before any of that. So we came in to the office. I had one lead manager, I had an acquisition guy, I had a disposition guy, and everything's written on notepads. And they're, everything's blown up. They're like, whoa, my God, the phone's ringing off the audio. And they're, you know, they're passing notepads over here and passing this over there and this, that, and the other. But we did about, I think it was over like 150,000 in revenue for the month, right? Wow. So in a completely antiquated model, zero efficiency with yellow pad newspaper. So from that point, I put the direct correlation between mailers and revenue or leads and revenue. So, and I think we've been, you know, doing close to a hundred thousand every single month, you know, since, you know, wow. if not more. So, so talking about making this change, right? This transition, mm -hmm. what does your organization look like today? So, um, we have, um, we do, well, we just fired some sales guys cause they weren't, they weren't kind of, so we'll have they basically five. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't, they were closing five, uh, sales guys. Um, that are between local acquisitions and then over the phone closers. Um, we've got lead managers, essentially two lead managers that basically take inbound calls and then we'll sort between the um, take me off your list and if there's it's a viable potential lead, then it will transfer to one of our sales guys, right? Um, then from that, we have a, a in-house marketing person that does all of our marketing to all the buyers, to all the handles, all, it's, it's that person that I've hired that basically will handle all that marketing, right? Mm -hmm. um, to get it off the plate. So every single week we get our Monday morning meetings and uh, we'll batch out the marketing for essentially like two months and then she'll deploy all the marketing, which is good. So we don't have to deal with that. Um, then we have a, a disposition person that handles all of our disposition. Um, they, they make sure the properties get sold. Um, and then I have a CFO, you know, some that will manage all the, the books, QuickBooks and all the money and stuff like that. So it's uh, that's the primary operation. Um, that will, you know, and I bet someone that does social media and stuff like that post on uh, all the social media sites. Well, I see you're, you're the one that's doing the, you're pushing the, the IG live. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be pushing the IG live, you know, but they'll, they'll post properies up on yeah. Facebook and stuff like that and right. push it, push them out and stuff. But, uh, so, you know, the questions we're getting in, what marketing technique is working best for you? Marketing technique. Okay. This is a great question. Who, who asked that question? What's his name? Uh, we've had a couple people ask it. So. Really? Right. We've got we got a long list of questions we got to get through. Okay, okay. So great, great question. Whoever 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 uh, asked that. So so um, historically, I would I looked at marketing channels as individual, right? Individual. So marketing channel being direct mail, marketing channel being Google AdWords, marketing channel being um, say Facebook or something like that as individual. Uh, type of channels that we track and measure. Um, over the past almost year, year and a half now, um, we've adopted omni-channel marketing, right? Um, and omni-channel marketing is where you're everywhere. Now, you have been in town, you're in Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you've heard Lerner and Rowe is the mm -hmm. way to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard those guys, right? Yeah, everyone That's, knows the phone number. Right, everyone knows the phone number. Um, and But where do you see them? You hear them on the radio. Mm -hmm. They're on the side of a bus. They're on the, they're on the billboards. Billboards. Mm -hmm. They're on TV. Um, they're everywhere, right? That's mm -hmm. called omni-channel. Now, omni-channel marketing 
um, you have a, uh, a 37% higher rate uh, when it comes to conversion, when it comes to lead generation, and your conversions go up, you know, I think it's like eight times conversion. So if a seller hears from you from multiple different channels, not only does the response go up 37%, but your closing ratio goes up eight times. Of course. Right? So this omni-channel marketing, so it's all built around the omni-channel marketing process, which then it starts for someone that's brand new, it starts with distress, right? So now we have distress list. We got pre-foreclosures, we got inherited properties, we got probate properties, we got property tax default properties, we've got um, vacant properties with liens, right? So those are distressed. So our, uh, um, our, our basically our marketing manager will pull all the distress lists and we market those um, in a omni-channel fashion where they get direct mail every week um, to, 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 the, to the distressed. We're gonna hit them with ringless voicemail. We're gonna, we're gonna skip trace them. We're gonna, we're gonna co-call them. We're gonna text them. We're gonna hang them, hit them with ringless voicemail and we're gonna hit them with email, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so those people, and now we're, uh, and people ask about frequency, right? With, this, with the distress list, how many times should I hit that list? I get that question all the time. And I, I equate it to almost like if anyone's ever got, tried to get tracked down by a creditor, right? Have you ever, I mean, anytime. I know I have, I have in I the have past, this. right? Yeah. So, um, they don't like it when you don't make your payments. Right, yeah. So, you know, and uh, so, but do they call once a month? No. Right, yeah. Do they call once a week? No, no. They call every single day, five times a day. So we take on the creditor mentality marketing strategy mm -hmm with these distressed sellers. And we're going to bug the crap out of them, right? Until they either A, don't ever talk to me again, or B, they're gonna sell us our house, right? right? So we're gonna create that. So frequency is all the time, right? It's like you're like gonna inundate these people with your message coming. You're gonna be learning in row, way to go, right? All over the place on these guys. And you're gonna turn around and you are going to, uh, and to surround those, right? So those are the distress because here's the thing. If you don't hit them with, with mail every single week and, and co-calling um, every single day and texting every single day and marketing, you're just in it, emailing them, texting, co-calling, RVMing all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day, right? Then what's going to happen is they're never going to hear your message or we're going to be in a market and you're going to market. Let's say you and I are competing against marketing. Right. You hit them once a month because mm -hmm. you want to be nice. Yeah. Right. And I approach it with the, I'm gonna just bug the living crap out of you, right? What's mm -hmm. gonna happen is, who's, who are they gonna sell to? The guy right? in front they're, of them. They're gonna sell to me that I'm in front of them because the attention span in this world is 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 insane. So now, now so the, to answer your question, it's using all these channels to surround that seller with your message constantly for distressed only. Now you move into non-distress. Now you have absentee owner, right? We used to do absentee owner. Um, and we look at the older property. So we have, which is unique, which is different from a lot of people across the country, we are also the hub for iBuyers. Yes, we are. Right? So all the iBuyers are coming in and they're buying thousands of houses, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to name them all, but we know them all, right? They're all the iBuyers coming in and they all start in Phoenix, they all start here, and we have to compete against them, right? So how do you compete against the iBuyers? Well, they're building their portfolios. They like the newer houses. And in Phoenix, you get the stucco with the, with the tile roofs and stuff like that, where um, we target 1980 and below, houses with deferred maintenance, 10-year ownership on the property, and we and we target in select zip codes, meaning, and uh, 
um, we call it the perfect property avatar. So we pick all the deals we've done over $20,000 and are distressed, and we turn around and take that 1980 and below, um, you know, um, you know, that are a 10 year ownership. And we, we lay that into the non-owner occupant and owner occupant universe. And we'll pull out of there the, um, those, uh, those zip codes that we can target in. And we do the exact same omni-channel marketing to that list, right? But we don't bug the living crap out of them. Mm-hmm. What we do is we'll, we'll hit them once a month with our message versus hitting them every single day. Right. Uh, so, so that's um, a very long answer to, but a, I think that's a great answer, a short right? Question, it's, right. uh, you know, being in front of them when they hear your message mm-hmm. from multiple different avenues, this guy has to be legit. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's yeah. everywhere. And we're in front of them. And they're, when, I mean, cause, cause most people they're distressed procrastinate, mm-hmm. right? So they're going to procrastinate everything. Right. And they're going to procrastinate their house. All they, they're going to wake up in the morning and they're going to put on their list and, it, and they're going to get to that point where they're, they have to sell. I have to do it now. So. When they do that, you want to be that call. You want to, they want to get your text that day. They want to get your phone call that day. They want to get your message that day when they eventually put that on the list. And it, and you can't, you're, you might do it once a month yeah. and you're just going to hope and pray that that day is the day they wake up and want to sell. So everyone goes through deni- denial in the beginning mm-hmm. and you don't know when exactly, because every person is different when reality sets in. Yep. And you just want to be that guy. Well, it's interesting. And I tell my sales guys this because how do you, you know, reiterate follow up? And I think follow up is the most one of the most critical things in your business. And I've always related it to the seller decision timeline. Right. I'm saying maybe for people talk about right the seller decision timeline, which I've been talking about for years. But the seller decision timeline is when someone is going to. When you when you're going to go buy a car, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna, and you're thinking about buying a car. What do you do? Well, first off, you have the idea. I'm going to buy a car. Then you're going to go look online for different cars. Then you're going to look at pricing. Then you're going to look at you know which one do you like. And then you're going to do the virtual tour inside. Then you're going to talk to some friends. And now all of a sudden, next thing you know, they show up all on the road. And you mm-hmm. kind of look at them. Then you're going to go to a, a dealership. You might go you know go in and test drive. But you're going to go to three or four dealerships. You're going to look at a couple different two three different cars. And you're going to narrow it down. And then you're going to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. right? What happens is most real estate wholesalers are looking for the guy that wants to sell a house and pulling the trigger right there, right? And they, the person that's already been through that timeline and they're ready to pull the trigger. Well, that's only a maybe anywhere from 10 to maybe 15%. Mm-hmm. Right of the the leads that actually even less than that that come in they're ready to pull the trigger. Where you'll go in and they're ready to pull the trigger and you get it signed right there. So you ask them on the phone. And you say, "Listen, how soon would you like to sell?" And they go, "Oh, yeah, I'm as, as soon as possible. We can sell." That means they've been through the process. Bam, they're going to pull the trigger and sell. Right. So what happens to all those leads that come in and a seller says they want retail? So initially they make the first. They have the idea. They look on Zillow their price. They look on Redfin. They talk to a realtor and realtor says you can get three fifty. Now. But your offer is 175, right? And they're right, and they're, and what happens is now you meet with them, and they they want 350, right? Because the realtor friend and Zillow says they should get mm-hmm. 350, and you can't pay 350 for the process, and then you just forget them. 99% of everybody is going to forget them. Mm-hmm. So what happens is what we do is we create basically this another omni-channel where we're in front of the seller knowing they called. Now, here, here's funny. I've been in a room of five or 600 people 
And I asked the question, I said, how many people in this room, you got a postcard or you got a text from someone saying they want to buy your house. How many people actually answered that? Or maybe you got a, 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 you know, a, a postcard or something else for other service and answered it. And there's maybe one or two out of five or 600 people in the room, mm -hmm. right? So it's very few and far between. So someone actually picks up the phone and they call you is a rarity. Yeah. Right. So it was right. They're going to what they want to sell. So now because they said no or they said they wanted retail and now there is no follow up sequence behind that, which a follow up sequence entails all the above ringless voice it becomes that omni channel. You send them postcards, you send them, you know, ringless voicemail. Now you don't harass them like you do on the distress and you can send them maybe once or twice a month, but you're going to want to be in front of those people because now you're building a relationship with them. Now you're turning around, you're going to be in front of them because they will make a decision. We've had sellers. I, we have sellers that are committed and stuck on this number. And then over the seller decision line timeline over three weeks, four weeks, two months, three months, now, guess what? They come down to a reasonable number. And because we've kept in contact with them the entire time with multi-channel, omni-channel marketing, well, guess what? Now we're going to go out and get that deal. And no one else has talked to them and no one else can compete. Right. Right. Because no one else, because now we've built a relationship with them. We've been in front of them. We've asked them how they doing. We checked on them. I, there's this one house in Arcadia, ridiculous deal, right? I went, place was trashed, talked to this lady, same type of thing. I literally text her and, and every single Friday, I was just on my list, I would text, how's it going? What are you up to? She would send me her horses and she would send me this and we'd go back and forth. I'd send a picture of my kids and we'd do this. I built a relationship with her, right? Now, she was getting inundated by you and everybody else in the marketplace, right? And uh, But guess what? I built a relationship with her over time. She turned around and I, I got that house and that was that was a huge smoking deal. The house needed a ton of work, but we turned around and flipped it and made a huge profit on it. Um, and there's no way I would have got that deal if I would have met her the first time. She said she wanted close to retail. There's no way we're going to do it. And because I, if I would have never followed up, we'd never got that deal. So we embed that into our sales guys, the process of, yes, you're going to get new leads, but also you have to really work those leads in a way to uh, get them to convert. Absolutely. Uh, so there was a question for Charlie Harrison. If you had to start over today as a brand new wholesaler, what would you do? Brand new wholesaler. Well, first off, I would get get yourself obsessed, obsessed, right? Obsessed, mm -hmm. right? So, how do you get obsessed, right? For I mean, you, you, the, when when you, when you're in an obsessed state, then nothing else. Then you're one thousand. Now, I'm not saying you have to disregard your family and, and, and be whatever. I'm saying when you're, when you, when you commit to a certain time, you're obsessed to make it happen. So how I get, how I get obsessed about being in it to win it, especially for 15 years, mm -hmm. right? Of being creating that consistency is being absolute 1000% crystal clear on exactly what you want, write it down, right? And then read it every morning, read it every single night. And then I calendar, when I calendar, I calendar, I have my, my priorities are God, my family, and my business, right? So uh, God goes in my calendar first, then my family goes in my calendar, and then business goes all around it. And and I literally, from 5.30 in the morning to 6 o'clock at night, my calendar is scheduled every 15 minutes on the 15 minutes all day, right? So I have zero idle time through the entire day, and I'm just going all day, right? 
Now, you're, you get obsessed because you want something so bad and you can see it and you can feel it and you can visualize it and you're brand new, right? And what would you, I, I didn't have that when I got started. I was scattered. I was all over the place trying to do 10 different things. I would get hyper-focused and if you're brand new, you haven't got a check yet, that's your first goal. If you've already got your first check, you wanna make it consistent, you wanna do at least three to five deals a month. Once you get three to five deals a month, then you wanna start hiring a team of people and then you wanna blow it up, right? Reinvesting 25% back in the business. So now you get massively obsessed. Then once you get massively obsessed, you write everything down and you get hyper-focused. And then once you get hyper-focused, then you create those daily actions and you commit to doing it every single day. So those daily actions that we talked about, um, which most people get comfortable, they get some big checks, I'm gonna go to Vegas, I'm gonna have a blast, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go hang out, I'm gonna take it easy, man, I'm gonna, you know, whatever. They take their foot off the pedal and then what happens is their income goes back down, they go in panic mode, they go back at it again. So if you can, if you can look in your business every single week and report, how many leads did you get for the week? How many appointments did you make? How many offers did you make? And how many contracts did you get? And that number continues to expand each week or continues to grow and you get better at the conversion. So everything becomes, how can I get a lower cost per lead? How can I get more appointments? How can I convert those leads in the contracts? And you get better at that then you can't help but grow. And now you have a trackable, consistent model, and then you have your team. They are all tracking on that certain model, then you blow up. Absolutely. You know? um, I think obsess obsession is, is key. There is um, Think and Grow Rich, right? Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Hill says that if you are obsessed with your business, as you are with getting laid, Yeah. How successful would your business be? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and it's uh, that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier down, uh, down payment arbitrage. So Eric Martinez wants to know how are you determining price when doing down payment arbitrage? How do you determine price? Mm -hmm. Okay, well it's it's the uh, it's the exact same thing on a wholesale deal, but what what happens with down payment arbitrage is you. Um, the, the, the key component is having a distressed seller, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they whether they have a, um, I'll give you an example. We had a, we, we recently did a deal where the house uh, was worth about three thirty, and it was listed on the market. It couldn't sell, so now it's just sitting there. Seller wanted to sell, but they're stuck, right? Um, if they sold it, if they tried to sell it at three thirty, they couldn't do it. And, and if they did sell it at three thirty, but with commissions, closing costs, and fees, and if they got a little bit lower offer they're gonna to have to come out of pocket, which they didn't wanna do. So there is underlying motivation there. The house is a great house. I think it was in Ahwatukee, right? Beautiful house, or in Gilbert actually. And, uh, and then what happened, they had a $307,000 loan, but there's motivation, right? So we gave them 500 bucks. Um, we knew the property is was you know 330 because it was listed for that and Zillow said it was 330 Redfin said it was 330 REI Automator said it was 330 it was all we knew it was 330 that was the value of the property but that's a little bit more not as relevant as the structure so people ask me all the time they go okay listen I got a property um, but it doesn't sell right I can't sell it either doesn't sell because of price or it doesn't sell because of terms. But if you could take a property that maybe is a higher price and it's not selling, and you can modify terms of that property, now you have a sellable property. Mm -hmm. We've had properties that literally no one would touch or buy and modified the terms on it, now the property flies off the shelf. So this particular property, if we put it out to the market, we got it locked up for say 307, theoretically, and we we're gonna turn around and sell for 317 when it's worth 330, 
our phone would not ring off the hook. You sound like a new wholesaler. Right. We're like, oh, I got the smoking deal. We got 10000 of equity. Oh, my gosh. Let's buy it. You know, and you're sitting yeah. there waiting in crickets, right? Right. But now we're going to modify the terms. Price is still there, right? So now we got 307 Give the seller. We give the seller $500 cash. Mm-hmm. Bought the house for $500. Left the 307 in place. I think we left in place for four years. And, uh, and now we have a sellable deal. $500. So in the 307 so now we're in it for 307,000 and then we turned around and we put it out to market for $29,500 down or $29,000 down and we made $28,500 on a deal. $500 went to the seller, right? And that was a $28,000 deal on a deal that was retail. No one would touch. And we do a ton of deals like that. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways to structure it with sellers. They, The seller was ecstatic. They loved it. A guy came in and he was, uh, I don't know if he lived there or he was just you know, going to use it as an Airbnb or whatever he was. It's a nice house. Um, and he was able to, uh, you know, and everybody won in the situation. And we put it out to the market on a deal that was literally sold at retail, mm-hmm. right? Retail, above retail. And that our phone melted off the hook with that property, right? On a recent deal we just closed. So that was. Do you have a specific buyers list for those? Nope. Or how are you finding those? Well, members. We just sent to everybody. Yeah, there, there's three buyers, right? There's mm-hmm. three buyers that all of us wholesalers have. We have fix and flip. We get buy and hold, and we get uh, retail buyers. Now, if you get a property that's distressed, like we did, we're closing on a property today, right? And it's like trashed, South Phoenix, a mess. I've got one buyer. Buy and hold buyer is not going to touch it. Retail buyer is not going. I got one buyer. I got mm-hmm. I got a fix and flip buyer. So I have to have a fix and flip buyer. Their 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 biggest motivation is is equity. The more equity they have, the more they're going to jump on the deal. So this deal has a lot of equity in it, so they're going to jump on it, right? So a buy and hold investor, they're going to do buy and hold. They want to have a nicer, cleaner property. They're going to want to have some equity in the property, but um, now they're going to have to get financing. They're going to have to refinance it and do all that type of buy it with hard money, do that. And then the third buyer is a retail buyer. What's great about down payment arbitrage is it literally can hit all three. Mm-hmm. It hits all three. Now, the fix and flip buyer is buying this property because account his accountant over here is going, listen, you got ordinary income, dude. You got to turn around. You need to offset your income by buying real estate so you can have depreciation so you can offset that ordinary income. So your, your fix and flip buyer is a potential buyer. We get a lot of fix and flip buyers. They easily, like, listen, I'll put 29,000, I'll turn it on, I'll have the, you know, I'll have the 28,000, whatever, I'll put this property into it and I'll get the deal. Um, and they'll hang on to it and be fine and they're going to use it strictly for, they're going to rent it out and get depreciation. The buy and hold buyer loves it, right? Because they don't have to go get a loan. Right. And then you got the, um, the, the retail buyer that will come in and they want to buy it retail, right? And they're going to potentially live there in the property. Um, so you hit all three buyers. So essentially, if you have your buyers list, and I've taught for years, um, Jalen White, you know Jalen White, right? Yeah. Great guy, awesome guy. He came into my office the, uh, the first time when he, um, 18-year-old kid, he used this one little thing he, 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 that we taught at, at our VIP, at our Extreme Freedom event. Mm-hmm. This one little thing, and we talked about how to buy the realtor list and slowly import it into that. That one thing changed his entire business, right? He went out and made 250 grand his first year. Um, just by that one thing. So on that realtor list that we taught how to buy, um, you can turn around, you got retail buyers on the list. <coughs> you have really, I mean, you're on the list. Realtors are on the list, yes. right? So realtors have buyers. Realtors have retail buyers. So that is the easiest property to sell because you encompass all three buyers. 
um, and your phone literally melts, even if the thing's retail. So I'm just going to do a quick uh, change topic. How was that transition going from belly to belly and in Phoenix only mm -hmm. to going to other markets? What were the biggest challenges in expanding for you? Um, first off, getting our team that is down this path to go down this path, right? And uh, into it. and it's it's not a it's a quasi model, mm -hmm. meaning everything local. Um, we'll talk to a seller and we'll get them to a certain point of where they are for motivation, trying to find out their lowest of the low uh, offer price they're going to have. Um, we don't really we don't do soft pass, but if we believe that our max allowable offer and their lowest cash offer, if it's close within 20 or 30,000, we know we can negotiate that down to a certain price. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna set the appointment and our closing ratio on those appointments are about 50 to 60%. So it's a quasi model of, of talking to the sellers locally on the phone, getting them to a certain point, determining where they're at and having that, them tell us the lowest of the low number after we build rapport, after we find out about repairs, after we find out about the big why, and trying to solve that problem. Now, a lot of people in what we have found as a negotiating technique, which a lot of people, I, I don't know if they do or not, but I know we do, um, we use the post-possession a lot in our negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. And typically in normal, the real estate world, uh, brokers hate post-possessions. They want to close and they want to be done. Oh yeah. Am I right? Uh -huh. So what happens to post-possession, if a seller wants to, have, needs time to move out and they say they need cash, but they need time to move out, then we're able to give them that time to close. Now, what it does for us in the business and, uh, and there's this whole thing of the time value of money, right? Mm -hmm. and, and a whole thing of the velocity of money, that, that formula. We wanna close as fast as humanly possible, but the seller you know, needs two weeks to move out. So what we'll do is initiate a post-possession. We'll disclose that to the buyer coming in. We'll close immediately, we'll get paid, we'll hold money back in escrow, and then give that seller post-possession. Everybody's happy uh, in the situation, and uh, we do a lot of those. So we solve that problem uh, with those sellers. So uh, part of that is getting though getting talking to these sellers over the phone and figuring out what their big problem is, solving that problem. And if we're able to solve that problem, then we'll set the appointment on a local basis. Um, on a uh, in other markets, then we'll turn around and we'll just DocuSign get over the phone. Gotcha. Uh, so Manuel Cajigas, I'm probably butchering his name. Wants to know: Are you doing any kind of training on down payment arbitrage deals? Yes, I have an entire course, down payment arbitrage, and I essentially go, like, when a seller wants retail, what do you do, right? Well, I can do a deal if seller wants retail. Um, you know, it's funny because it's, it's interesting. So I had, you know, sales guys, what do they always complain about? The leads. The leads, right? So I hear that all the time. Well, the leads, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I want these leads. Blah, blah, blah. Don't come to me with leads, right? I'm that last guy you want to talk to about the leads. So I said, fine. Leads suck. I said, you guys get nothing, right? You guys generate your own leads. I'm gonna get the next 10 leads, mm -hmm. right? I'm gonna get them, just, you just ran, I'm gonna get the next 10 ones and I'm gonna get the next 10 appointments. So I got 10 appointments, I booked 10 appointments, I went on 10 appointments and I got eight contracts. Wow. And I came back with eight contracts and I laid them all out on the table. I'm like, the leads suck or do you <laughs> suck, right? So it's interesting that 
that happens that way, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because a lot of down payment arbitrage. So if someone says they want retail and they want retail and they're they want, you know, we can I can make that happen with down payment arbitrage. I love the ones where it's pre-foreclosure, right? The house is worth 200 and they owe 120 and I can give them $3,000 they move out, I can reinstate the loan that they have, and I can still sell it for retail. And not only will I keep the existing loan in place, I'll create a secondary note on the property mm -hmm. and then turn around and sell it retail. Now I have all these notes laying out there that I get calls and saying, hey, you know, we got this note on here, you know, uh, and I'll put a deferred interest rate on it of like say 8% mm -hmm. on it, deferred interest. Um, and I'll get, a, I'll get a call and say, hey, listen, we, you know, you know, we got to pay off for this thing. I was like, what the heck is this? Okay, I'll know, know what I did. <laughs> Two, two years ago, yeah, oh, it's an eighty thousand dollar loan. Okay, but okay, boom, bam, mm -hmm. and uh, and next thing you know, we get a you know eighty thousand dollar wire from a note that I created on a deal that we sold retail, and we sold retail, and we got a down payment, and we got the whole. And it, it's it's amazing. That's incredible. Um, all right, so I'm gonna wind it down here. Uh, so you've got an event coming up. Yes, it's well, extreme freedom. This is our seventh. Uh, I think almost seventh or eighth time doing it. Yeah, it's literally the premier wholesaling event, in my opinion. Um, except yours, right? For <laughs> me, I've been doing it for years. But it, what it does, it's um, we got some incredible speakers coming. But what it does, it's it's the methodology or the business model of something that's starting out brand new. Right, and we take them through the four phases of freedom, and then we'll turn around and show them how to um, build it from getting your first check to getting one year's worth of income, quitting your job, going full time, and then scaling it to a multi-million dollar business. Well, each phase, there's different things that you do and things that you can focus on that can scale you up to where you wanna be. So um, when someone comes there for the first time, if they don't know anything about it, what will happen is they'll learn these four phases um, and then they can leave and understand the entire business model. It's a way to take um, literally all the training I've done between converting deals and down payment arbitrage and compress everything into a weekend where you can leave and go, holy cow, you know, you're brand new or wherever you are in the middle and you might be doing two or three deals a month and you want to get to 10 to 15 deals a month, there's, we'll show you that methodology and what to build from the organizational chart to the meetings, to the team, to, to, to the scaling, to reinvesting back in a large multifamily, doing syndications. Um, and then also too, there's the other side of the coin, right? There's technical of the, of the how to do. And then there's the other side of the coin, which I call the triangle effect. And the triangle effect is you've got two people in the same market, right? There's a lot of people here in Phoenix, right? Oh yeah. And you got two people in the same market. They're sending the same postcards to the same list. And one person gets all the deals and the other person gets none. And the other person's complaining, going, well, I'm trying to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm sending the postcards. I'm spending like the money. Huh? That sounds like how they would sound. Yeah. So I'm trying to, <laughs> I, I just don't understand. I don't know what's going on. And you look at it and they are sending the postcards yeah. and the calls are coming in and they are, but they're not getting the deals. Right. There is something else. That triangle effect is the something else, mm -hmm. right? It's the something else. It's because now it's you as a person on what you attract, what you put out there. And I've seen two people, same market, same thing. One guy's crushing it, one guy's not getting the deals because this person is repelling business, 
right? Mm-hmm. By their own thoughts and what they think about and the, and, 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 and the rituals that they do in their life. And the other person is on point in their inflow and they attract a ton of business. So it's amazing where when you're in flow, amazing things happen. And we can be in the same market together. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We've never crossed a deal together. Right. Most of the people that uh, that I've ever, you know, you know, Carlos and Sal and, you know, and Raphael and Brandon and all the, we never cross paths. Right. Right. We never, we've never, have we ever run into a deal together? Not that but more. you're doing a ton. We're doing yeah. a ton. But we never run into deals. And we're, we're, we're getting, we continue getting deal after deal after deal that comes in. Um, and it's crazy. And uh, I believe wholeheartedly that if you're a person right now that you've been doing this and you've been putting forth the energy, you've been putting forth the effort and you're still going, what am I missing? Right. I'm doing everything right. What am I missing? It's the triangle effect. And we're going to talk about what that is, how that really that affects your business. In my opinion, that is the most important thing in your business because anybody can do the technical, mm-hmm. right? But it's what who you bring as a person to that technical in that market, talking to the seller. And uh, just like for the thing is, if you walk into an appointment with a seller, um, just like a dog can smell fear, Right, that a dog can smell fear inside somebody. A smell, a seller can smell neediness. Mm-hmm. A seller can smell that fear. Desperation, you know, a strong that smell. desperation. It comes and it comes in of how how you are. And if you come from that scarcity, desperate mentality, and that's permeating through you, right? Of fear of coming out, that penetrates through in the marketplace, and it's going to affect your results. Yeah. So you want to go out and you want to come and do this, and you want to blow up. Guess what? We're going to show you how to eliminate that putrid smell of despair (laughs) and turn around and learn how you can uh, put that attraction model where people are attracted to your you your energy what you put out there how you talk um, and uh, they're gonna want to do business with you and only you that's awesome so uh, I'm gonna let you that was a really powerful message yeah but I'm gonna put on the onus we need to come up with one more last thought last thought well so before we get there a few quick announcements Uh, guys next week is our workshop uh, it's on the 20th and 21st. If you guys are still interested, uh, we're only selecting a, hand, uh, a handful of people to see if you qualify. Go to disruptors.com. And I will be speaking in uh, Houston, October 4th through 6th for whole, uh, Wholescaling Live. Go to wholescalinglive.com and put in RED for 25% off. I'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi with uh, Adam and Brent for our Real Estate Roundup Live. Uh, if you want to go to that, it's uh, bit.ly, bit.ly slash RER live. And then I'll be finishing the year in New Orleans with Chris Rude, um, December 6th through 8th. If you guys want to check that out, go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash 2019skill, 2019skill. And next week, we've got Charles Nguyen coming in from Houston, Texas to talk about his system. So, Cool, cool. Back All right, so um, so um, so if you want to if you want to check out Extreme Freedom, it's Extreme Freedom Live, extremefreedomlive dot com. Um, you can check out this event schedule. It's in the Renaissance here, right by the uh, Super Bowl where Super Bowl was played there. Also, we did a coupon code. It's T R A N G thirty. T R A N G thirty. 
Uh, you can get 30% off on uh, tickets if you are interested in going. It's going to be an awesome event. If you're in Phoenix, it's a must-go. you got to go. I've been um, there. It's amazing. Yeah. it's uh, Great it's, for networking. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you'll you'll meet a ton of people. I mean, Max Waxwell's going to Carlos is going to be there. Max Waxwell is going to be there. Scott Utes is going to be there. You'll probably be there. Um, I know Brandon will be there. Um, Raphael's going to be there. So we've got some a lot of great. Dean Graziosi is going to be there. Yeah. He's speaking. So there's a lot of great people that's going to be there. It's awesome. Awesome. Last thoughts. Last thoughts. Last thoughts. If I go back, and I always think, every, every time I go live on Instagram, I always I always go um, back, is the, the, the biggest thing I can tell you is if you're going back and you're in a position right now where you might be struggling or trying to get your first deal or trying to figure it out, um, because we have Instagram and Facebook in so many different areas, um, when you learn something, share it, learn it, you know, ex- ex- share it with somebody else because there's power in giving, right? There's absolutely power in giving, you know, and you've experienced now, haven't you? A hundred percent. Doing this podcast, what has come to you? Your brokerage has doubled. Your right. wholesale business has went through the roof, right? Yep. So there is a power in giving. And what happens is most people focus on themselves and they go, listen, I'm trying to solve this financial problem, this problem, whatever it is. And and if you want to get that out of the way, don't stop focusing on yourself and start focusing on how you can help somebody else. Because once you help someone solve their problem, your problem will be solved. But the problem is they can't get themselves out of the way. They're right. very focused on themselves and what they can do for me and how can I do this and what, what is what's happening for me. So um, if you try to be absolutely selfless and you focus 1000% on giving, um, giving information, giving content, giving your best stuff, putting it out on Instagram, putting it out on Facebook, telling people, sharing it in meetup groups and stuff like that in your go-givers meetings that you guys do with, you know, with Brandon stuff. So in your giving of yourself 100%, You'll never have to worry about yourself. You'll never have to worry about your finance. You'll never have to worry about any of that. So, um, so divert the focus on helping other people and giving to them and pouring into other people, and you'll never have. So, I've never really ever had to worry about. As soon as I started understanding that concept back in 2010, and uh, it's not all been just you know whatever. But the bottom line is, it's that it's once I started doing that, literally. You know the pressure on myself is just ex- exponentially have, has has grown. Yeah. You know, and crazy opportunities and crazy things come up that are completely unexplainable um, by focusing on giving to other people. And it's uh, it's an amazing thing. And you don't have to wait till you're 40. You don't have to wait till you're um, already completely successful. You could be just trying to get your first deal, and you can document and tell what you've learned in the process. And that sharing of that and that uh, is going to inspire and motivate someone else that they want to get started. Um, and you'll make an impact and it'll change your life. That's powerful. And I can tell you, I mean, I can attest to it, right? Like, you, you know, starting the podcast last yeah. year, life's never been better than it is today. Yeah. Is, is it incredible? Just by giving and look what you're doing. You're, yeah. you're bringing people in, you're asking incredible questions, you're building a community and it's, uh, and it's impacted, you know, you're, you're impacting a community with incredible content, but, but, but it's a ha- making a direct impact on you right. in your life, in your fulfillment and what you've done. It's amazing, huh? Yeah. In just 12 months. Just 12 months. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for watching. Boom. <laughs> Got to crush it. Rock the house. Go out there, do some deals. Don't be afraid. Rock the house and tune in next week. Next week. Boom. Awesome. Talk thank you. you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.